Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your Wednesday host, Aaron Hook. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. This is Offsides, your Wednesday edition, here on the 5th of October, 2022, just a minute past 5 o'clock here in Glassboro. I am joined today by three fabulous members of our sports department. I have Mr. Nick Carlson, Mr. Kobe O'Brien across the glass from me in the conference studio, and I have Jack Miller uh, across from me here in the production studio uh, to my right on the desk mic, and uh, good to be back with uh, the three of you guys. I think this is the second time this semester already that they, uh, this this you know pairing has come together here, the four of us, so um, good to be back, and we actually have a lot to talk about today. Uh, Major League Baseball season wraps up today, so we've got the postseason kicking off on Friday. It's going to be an awesome weekend of postseason baseball. We're going to dive right into that. And, uh, of course, get into uh, the big news coming uh, out of Texas last night. Get to that in a moment. Then we've got Thursday Night Football to talk about. Uh, and then we'll move on to the NBA. We, we've got the preseason, uh, you know, up and running here. Um, and so, you know, the NBA season just a couple of weeks away at this point. Uh, two weeks from today, actually, is the is the uh, season opener, the uh, opening night, sorry, for the NBA. So going to talk some basketball and then, into our top five later in the show but we are going to start out with major league baseball today and of course the big news last night he finally did it Aaron Judge uh, in the top of the first inning in the second game of the doubleheader Yankees and Rangers down there uh, in Arlington I guess technically it is uh, at Globe Life Park and Judge cranks one out to left field his 62nd home run of the season breaks Roger Maris his long-standing uh, record in the American League for home runs in a single season. So, guys, we I remember a couple of weeks ago, it might have been us four together or someone else might have slid in for one of you. Um, but at the time, we were talking about how we we thought he was going to get it. Obvi- it was pretty obvious at that point. He cut it a little bit close, but Kobe, he finally got over the hump last night, and he is now the uh, rightful, at least American League, home run king. Yeah, uh I got worried for a little bit. <laughs> I, I did get worried. Yes. I, I started to yes. worry, you know, after like the seventh game where people just were walking him and throwing all the all the pitches in the other the opposing batter's mm. box. I was really stressing. Not as much as, you know, Brian Cashman, but still, <laughs> still stressing. I, yeah, I think it was hilarious, actually, like the kind of the memes that came out of it where it's like they would put like a great sports moment and then it would be like if – if it was today and it would like cut away to Aaron judge getting like walked or something like during like the, the tit sits return Auburn and Alabama. Oh, that was so funny. Uh, I think I saw that on TikTok the other day, but um, he, he does end up doing it despite like Kobe said, pitchers are just, they, they don't want to throw to him, but top of the first, he got a meatball and uh, he crushed it out to left field. He truly did. It was, it was a blast uh, about 390 feet out to left field. So, Jack, he is now the American League home run king. Um, breaks that 61-year record that uh, Roger Maris did it um, back in 1961. And so, 
you know, it, it has sparked some debate. I, I won't call it from, you know, all Aaron Judge haters per se, just the baseball community uh, at large, you know, looking at guys like Bonds, who holds the all-time record at 73, and kind of the other guys who came along in the steroid era and broke Maris's record like Sosa and Midwire. You know, there's kind of now a discussion if 62 is the real record. What are your kind of thoughts on that? I think that 62 is the AL record. I don't think it's the all-time record. I mean, steroids definitely helps with hits and home runs and stuff like that and making the ball go farther, but I still think it takes uh, a pretty decent amount of skill to square up a baseball, no matter if you have steroids in you or not. Mm. Um, So I think that uh, Bonds is still the uh, home run king, but I think Judge is the home run king of the American League uh, of all time. I mean, he proved it last night. Um, I mean... I mean, that ball definitely meant something. I mean, I think, did we all see the fan that jumped out of the seats to see if it would drop? <laughs> like, uh, do you see that or no? Oh, I did. I, I fully understand yeah, why yeah. I did it. That's I mean, a, that's a bag. That's, that's, yep. that's a bag. That but, is a bag. And, of course, it was – who who's the guy who, – who's, like, some rich guy that got the, the home the, run the ball? The last person that deserved it. Yeah, 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 really, the last person that got it. But still, um, uh, I think he's the home run king of the American League. I mean, and he rightly rightfully deserves it. I mean – uh, people were so scared of him, as Kobe said, that they just kept walking him. He would get walked like three times a game, and he just and no one wanted to face him. And honestly, no one wanted to be the pitcher that gave up the sixty-second home run. Yeah, I, you know, last week, um, I believe it was against Toronto, he walked four times in a game. So yeah, exactly. They, yeah, they again just did not want to pitch to him here as he uh, approached uh, the record, but he eventually did get one to handle. And it's it's Nick, it's kind of his plate discipline that. You know, he is so good at drawing walks and being, you know, comfortable in the box, taking tough pitches that allow him to see these pitches that, you know, are more hittable. And he is such a great hitter, and he goes to the opposite field a bunch that, you know, if you make the mistake, Aaron Judge is going to punish you. He's proved that throughout the entire course of his career. Um, And so, you know, that kind of segues into looking at his season as a whole here. He's walked 92 times, 62 homers, 131 ribbies, hitting 311, so that's second best in the American League. 425 on base percentage leads the lead. Since 86 slugging leads the lead. Like, you're looking at one of the best seasons ever here as, as a complete. Um, you know, it, when you look at the Bond seasons over kind of that four-year stretch, 2001-2004, the numbers are ridiculous. I don't think anyone's ever going to get back there again in terms of, like, the OPS and, like, the 1300s. It's just absurd, but... Judge has really got a taste here for one of the best campaigns ever. I mean, I think that's kind of inarguable at this point. Would you say the same? Well, I agree with what Jack said. I feel like even though steroids are involved, you still have to square up a ball. You still have to kind of make those plays on your own. Aaron Judge has had one heck of a season. But in the long run, I feel like every home run that Aaron Judge has, I feel like Cashman at this point is hoping the Yankees don't win the World Series because <laughs> I don't think he wants to pay Aaron Judge because it, it's going to be some crazy number and New York fans are going to go crazy. So if they win the World Series, Aaron Judge puts up a – I mean, you go as far as to say when you get past Bonds, top two of all time season, and then you have to pay him that next year where we're looking at like – me and Colby were just talking about it, a half a bill, $600 million, I mean – it could be a crazy number that Cashman's going to have to give, and he might not want to do it. Yeah, because Soto, when he was going for his contract, he wanted half a half a billion dollars. Yeah. And after this season, I mean, you, can you really say no to Judge? 
like home run kids That's and like in like the rain in the race for triple crown. Like Aaron, put yourself in Cashman's shoes as a Yankee fan. Separate that. What's the number that you would give to Judge? Like if, if he came in, he's like uh, it's got to be at least. 450 to 500 I would say. If you wanted more, if say. you wanted like 550. He <laughs> would break he'd probably break the contract right. Yeah, yeah he's, like, he's he would going have to be to. the highest paying player. He's yeah. going to. I, I mean <sighs> they did it once with A-Rod. Why can't we do it again? Well, <laughs> well, well, A- how old was A-Rod when he signed that contract? That's true. Judge yeah. is 30. Judge is yeah. 30 right now. Uh, now, ju- again, I think he did have a season next year where I'm not gonna say he's gonna hit sixty two home runs again, but yeah. he's got at least another, I think, three to four great years left in him. So it it all depends on how the Yankees see their window, Jack. And I mean, the Judge era, I think you say twenty seventeen was really the first year when he broke down and now you're in your sixth season of that and the Yankees have failed to even make the World Series, so and and this is a team that started off on a uh, historic pace. With the best team in baseball, and now today they are they are playing for their 100th win. 100 wins, you're a great team if you win 100 games. But yeah. they were on pace to win like 115 or 116 or something like that. So this team has been inconsistent. It's not a guarantee that they're going to come out of the AL. So you know, again, you look at the future, and if you're the 80s, you have to weigh your options there. Pretty, and it's obviously a tough decision to make. I would hate to be in Brian Cashman's shoes. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You have to. I mean, it, it, I, I agree with Nick. You have to. If they win the World Series, I feel like all the pressure is is on paying him. But I don't think he's going to want a lot of years because of his age of thirty. That's the thing. But I think he's going to ask for a lot of money because he's probably, well, definitely the best player in baseball at the moment, and he has the sole argument for it. I mean, he leads first in the, throughout the entire league in in a bunch of categories: home runs. Uh, he might do a batting average tonight, uh, RBIs, um, slugging, all that stuff. So, I mean, he, he has the argument for it. Mm. And they're going to have to bring the big bucks. Not even just the Yankees. Any team that wants him <laughs> is going to have to bring out the big bucks. Yeah. So. Aaron Judge, uh, his free agency uh, is going to be crazy. The market is going to be ridiculous. And uh, we're going to see numbers that uh, we've never seen before be given out to pretty much any athlete, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, unless we're talking, like, soccer. Uh, but, oh. I mean, that's that's <laughs> when you're dealing with, you know, billion-dollar European whatever. So, I mean, in this country, we've never seen an athlete get that much money. So, it's going to be crazy. The Yankees wrapping up their season. Actually, right now, they're uh, playing the Rangers down in uh, the Lone Star State. So, playoffs start on Friday. And speaking of the playoffs – Got a certain team around here that is back in them. First time in over a decade. Jack Miller. Clap Let's it up. Go. Clap it up. Let's De- go. Deservedly so. The Philadelphia Phillies clinched their first playoff berth since 2011 uh, with their win on Monday night against the Astros. Congratulations. Truly, truly, Jack. Thank you. I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan where I am used to long playoff droughts, and it, it feels great. It, it really does feel great when your team gets back there. And, you know, the, the conversation with the Phillies has been how far can they truly go now? And, you know, you look at that NL, the Mets are, are now going to slip in uh, out of that kind of top two teams that did the buy, so they're going to enter the wild card round. So um, the Phillies are taking on the St. Louis Cardinals, however. Again, it's a best of three. Um, yep. And just how far do you think this Phillies team can realistically go? Realistically, okay. If you want, <laughs> I understand if you're going to have a little bit of bias in there. 
but uh, your uh, just honest opinion. Honest on opinion. Going into Hon- the, honest the opinion. I genuinely think that we can. We have a chance against St. Louis. We've played well against St. Louis this uh-huh. year. I mean, we we played St. Louis at home uh, in St. Louis before. We got two out of four. I mean, I think we definitely have a chance against St. Louis. I think our ceiling is the NLDS. By a, a little bit biased for me though is if we have if we play like we did in June, I think we could we we can make it to the NLCS. But I gen- like if we're playing as the w- the way we've been in September or throughout this entire season, I think we can make it. Our ceiling is the NLDS. I I, I just I tried to hold it. I yeah. looked at Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, that, if we play like we did in June, that's what no, I'm saying well, for the NLCS. I got you. Now. Yeah, if, if we play like we did in June. So Kobe, when you when you look at the Phillies, what's your kind of biggest I just concern with them? If you had to just pick one, do you think that they're not deep enough? Starting pitching wise, do you think that maybe the lineup is a little bit inconsistent? The lineup's too inconsistent. Yeah, they don't have enough like consistent. You have Harper and Schwarber, and I don't see anyone else that's necessarily a threat to really win the game for them. It's, it's, they're not as deep, especially in pitching. T- pitching too, they're not that deep. Yeah, I mean, when you look at their top two, um, you know, obviously Lola and and then Wheeler, yep. but then that three, it's you know Kyle Gibson hasn't exactly been the kind of plug in to that spot and just kind of hold out the four. He's been a little bit. I don't, I don't like Gibson. Up and down, <laughs> I don't like him as my three. Okay, that's fair. I like Suarez as my three. Suarez? But I, I like Suarez better more than Gibson. What about Falter? I like Fal- Falter's done great. I yeah, mean, I, I just have not a decision to make going into since, a game three. Ever since he came in for Wheeler uh, when he got injured, I mean, he stepped up amazingly. But me personally, I'd rather have Suarez as right. – as in in for game three than uh, than the other two. Well, and then you know that kind of takes you to the pitching, and you look at that bullpen lit that has been the concern of this Phillies team for years now. It really has. It's been like over the past couple of years, especially since Harper's got here, it's been like okay, the offense is good is good enough to where they can be a playoff team, but the the bullpen has just lost them so many games, but. You know, you have guys who have climbed out of the rotation and into the bullpen, like a Syndergaard. Um, and then, you know, you look at the back end of that bullpen, pretty solid. I mean, Alvarado, uh, you've got Sir Anthony Dominguez. It's it's a bullpen to where if they reach their potential, if all of them, if all of them you know, pitch to their best, it is a solid bullpen. And I don't think that could be maybe as big of a concern as some Phillies fans think. Yeah, but they all have to pitch to their best consistently – Throughout a three-game series right. or a five-game series, right? Yeah, I, I, think, I, I just when you get to the five-game series, that's yeah. where it becomes because you can have one good game, but at the same time, I feel like when you mix up the Cardinals and the Phillies, that Cardinals team, especially in their bullpen, is very deep. And and when you look at the Cardinals, you have you got guys like Arenado, you have Goldschmidt, who's probably going to win MVP. You've got I'm trying to think of I can't remember who's on the Cardinals, uh, Donovan. Pujols, yep. uh, Wainwright, like, yep. there's so many guys there that I feel like the Phillies, I feel like it's going to be a closer series. I wanted to come on here and just absolutely destroy the Phillies, but at the same time, I feel like the Phillies, you got Harper, Real Muto, Hoskins, Stotts looked great, Schwarber's been on a tear, and you're going to have Nola, who just almost threw a perfect game, going one, and then Wheeler, and then hope that on that third game, if it gets to that point, that you can win it. Right, and... Okay, so Jack gave his kind of predictions or his kind of <laughs> thoughts on where the Phillies may end up, depending on how they look. You know, he said realistically, probably out of the wild card round, out in the division round. But 
maybe there's a chance that they can put together a, a championship series run. What about what about you guys, Lit? I think that that first game's the biggest game. I think if they yeah. lose that game, I feel like you it's think over. they're getting swept. Especially because you go on the road, you have to go to St. Louis. If they win that first game, they realistically could have a shot. But losing that first game, you're already in a hole. Then Nola has to come on and pitch a great game, and then you have to look to your bullpen and guys like Faulkner and Gibson in that third game. Yeah, and they're on the road for all three of the games. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you don't think they're making it out of the first, out of the wild card round? I mean, I hope they do so the Mets play them, and that'd be an easy win. But uh, <laughs> no, the Braves, the Braves will play them. That's a thing. The Braves. Oh, Braves, yeah. Yeah, Braves all right. yeah I mean. <laughs> Which I prefer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not want them winning out against Houston. Honestly, I'd rather play the Braves than than uh, than the Mets, but I also would rather play the Cardinals than the Mets. So. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I mean, that Mets-Braves series, over the week, I, I hate to bring it up, Nick, because I know it's traumatizing, <laughs> but, I mean, the Braves look like the better team for – that entire series, yeah, unfortunately, the whole series. I they, they looked, yeah, it was the Mets did not play well. No, so, so uh, we'll see how it shakes out there. Kobe, what about you? Do you think the Phillies are getting out of the wild card round, or is it one and done for them? It's one and done for them. Wow, wow. there it is. Man, there no. it is. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see how it uh, shakes out. Started on Friday, so that is uh, the major league baseball segment uh, for today. Uh, we were gonna kind of go through. Um, our picks, um, but I think we're probably going to save that maybe for next week when we get past the wild card round um, because then it'll just kind of be more set in stone. Uh, we'll do a division round, championship round, and then see who's going to uh, win the World Series here uh, on our mind. So instead, we're uh, going to take a quick, quick step off and then uh, come back and talk some NFL here as we've got Thursday night football coming up tomorrow night. But first, we have to check the WGLS campus calendar. Rowan University's Department of Public Safety would like to remind everyone in the Rowan community about the importance of pedestrian safety, especially while crossing Route 322. Pedestrians traveling along the Chamberlain Student Center construction site are urged to follow all caution signs and avoid directly walking onto the highway. And motorists who fail to stop for pedestrians will face serious fines, so please follow state law and stop for said pedestrians. For questions about public safety, call 856-256-4922. This Tampa's calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for Tampa's news and information. More offsides when we return. favorite part of a TV show or movie is the soundtrack, then the Sunday matinee is a dream come true. I'm Ellen Hardy and I'll be there for you every Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. to bring you the best of television and movie soundtracks together into three hours of pure awesomeness. So don't you forget about me and the Sunday matinee every Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. only here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. One of the greatest gifts anyone can give is the gift of service. Since 1636, the citizen soldiers of the National Guard have been defending our country's liberties at home and abroad, and New Jersey has been at the forefront of it all. No one cares more for New Jersey than the people from New Jersey. Now more than ever, as a member of the New Jersey Army National Guard, you will have the opportunity to make a difference right here in our great state. 
We have positions available for immediate hire for qualifying applicants. And as members of our amazing organization, you are entitled to some incredible benefits. How does free tuition at all New Jersey State Colleges and universities sound? How about reduced health care insurance or the possibility of an enlistment bonus? Find out more at NJArmyGuard.com or call 1-800-GO-GUARD. I'm Sergeant Dillard, and I'm a proud member of the New Jersey Army National Guard, and I care about you. This message sponsored by the New Jersey Army National Guard, the New Jersey Broadcasters Association, and this station. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. This is Offsides here on RowanRadio.com Channel 2, Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. Join alongside Kobe O'Brien, Nick Carlson, and Jack Miller here in the WGLS-FM studios. We just talked um, about Major League Baseball and all the uh, storylines that are going on there as the regular season wraps up today. Now we're going to move on to the NFL, and we've got Week 5 starting tomorrow, guys. Thursday Night Football, Colts and Broncos in Denver. These are two teams that have gotten off to starts uh, where you can say that they have underperformed, truly. I mean, the Colts coming into the year um, had the uh, best running back in the league last year, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Carson Wentz was their quarterback, and... You know, they nearly got to the playoffs there uh, pretty much on the back of Taylor and, uh, you know, obviously the breakout season of Michael Pittman and guys were stepping up and that great defense as well. But Colts off to a 1-3 and three start. Matt Ryan does not look like the Matt Ryan of old. Like, you know, Indy was expecting that they were going to get. Um, or I really shouldn't even say that. I They were just looking for a guy who's going to take care of the football and, and be able to drive the ball down the field. And Matt Ryan is has been pretty good at those two things over his career. Uh, but to this extent, the Colts do not look really organized at all offensively, and the defense hasn't been great either. They've already lost a division game to Jacksonville, and they come into Denver where Russell Wilson and the Broncos haven't exactly gotten off to the hottest start either. So Nick, these are two teams kind of looking for an identity at this point in the season, and the Colts are slipping more than the Broncos are. A loss tonight could really push the Colts out of playoff detention you start one and four I mean I don't love the numbers on it but your chances of, of climbing back to a playoff spot probably not you know very large and so Denver really needs to get going with, with Russ tonight because we're getting to it in the moment but back to his, his old his old town Seattle their quarterback is really blowing everyone's expectations out of the water well it's tough because Aaron me and you had talked about it a couple of days ago but it's still very early into the season, and I feel like teams don't really know what they are yet. Matt Ryan is still trying to find his footing, but at the same time, it's football, and you only have 17 games. So it's like you really only have like two or three games to really find your footing, and the Colts are really running out of time, and they get a team like the Broncos who are also trying to find their footing. It's just the problem is that Jonathan Taylor's rolled out. So you have your top running back not there for you. Pittman was out earlier in the year. So I feel like if the Colts really don't start to find themselves or at least show potential, like the Chiefs game was definitely a game changer. But if you beat the Broncos or at least lose 24-20 and show that you're putting up points, I mean, didn't they get blown out to the Jags? Yep. It was like 31-0 or something. Like that can't happen. And they tied with with the Texans on on opening day. So you got to show something that you're like, hey, Mm -hmm. this is a team that's here to play and a possible playoff contender. 
it, it's kind of crazy to think that Frank Reich might actually kind of be trending towards the hot seat yeah. a little bit. I mean, you missed the playoffs last year. You lose the last game of your season to the Jads, who obviously had the number one pit this year. They were worst team in, in football. You lose to them to get knocked out of the playoffs last year uh, on the last you know game of the year. Now you come in, you start one and three. Things are not looking as promising as they were a couple of years ago in Indy. You figured, you know, you, you had kind of uh, gone off of, of Rivers and you were moving on to Wentz, who obviously is younger and had more promise. But now you look at that team under Matt Ryan, who's older and is making a lot of money. Things are, are looking a, a bit gloomier, I would say. But, you know, for for Denver, Kobe, it's, it's really been about, obviously, Russell Wilson coming here and to this point, they just haven't gone off to that explosive start that a lot of people thought they would. And, and Russell Wilson is kind of known for getting off to fast starts and then kind of cooling down as, as the year goes along. Um, and so with Javante Williams out tonight as well, he tore his ACL uh, last week. So both top running backs for, for either team uh, are not available tonight. How important is, is that loss, right? Just how detrimental is, is the loss? Because obviously you want to open up things for Wilson – through the run game a little bit, get that going, but now you have kind of your top back in, in Williams going down, and again, me and Nick talked about it on uh, third and long on uh, Tuesday, yesterday. Melvin Gordon has four fumbles in four games this year, so he hasn't exactly been all that reliable. I think, yeah, Javante Williams, he's one of the most underrated backs in the league. I think it's a huge loss because Judy hasn't quite gotten the rhythm with Wilson, and the only consistent target he's had has been Sutton. And, I, and Russ, just in general, he's, you know, it's early in the season. He's still trying to find, like, his footing with the team. But they're struggling, and I think that's a massive hit to them. Because, you know, when it comes down to it, you want to have, as a quarterback that is struggling, you want to bank on, you know, your running back getting an important first down. And if you don't have him, and instead you have to, you know, risk it with Melvin Gordon fumbling, that's a huge loss. And uh, getting back to where... You know, the, the narrative is coming from you look in Seattle right now, and they're a surprise team. They're 2-2, two and two, and it is due, I would say, in large part to the play of Geno Smith under center there. I mean, he has looked like a very capable starting quarterback. He's had a lot of good plays so far this year, and I, I, I saw a stat, um, basically a, a graphic, where Geno is, is ahead of, of Ross in pretty much every statistical category right now through – a quarter of the year so obviously Jeff there's that kind of added pressure on Russ and the Broncos to get going eventually otherwise if Seattle keeps this up and they remain a surprise team in the NFC West people are going to look at the trade and be kind of like you, you know Gino is actually outperforming this this you know Russell Wilson right now and and you know maybe Wilson is outside of that Seattle system under Pete Carroll maybe he, he's not that elite quarterback that they thought they were getting I think that the Seattle I, I don't think they've fully lost the trade yet. Only because too early, too early. it's not too early. I just think it's because the it's the backup that's stepping up. It's not Drew Locke that stepped up because Drew Locke's on the bench. I mean, th- that's who they traded for. They they got uh the Seattle got Drew Locke and Noah Fant out of that trade and a whole bunch. But um but they I wouldn't say they lost it because Drew Locke hasn't performed. Like that's who they that's, traded that's for. That's very true. So I mean, yes, you you have a better quarterback. Um I mean you, you 
Gino's been outperforming uh, Russell Wilson, as you mentioned, but I don't think that they fully lost the trade. But both teams kind of look lost offensively, both the Colts and the Broncos. I really think it's going to be a really low-scoring game, and I don't think a lot of people are going to like this Thursday night football matchup but <laughs> just because that it's going to be a lot of defense and not a lot of offense mm-hmm. from either teams. I mean, they haven't produced offensively uh, throughout, this, uh, throughout the four, uh, first four weeks of the season, so yeah. I don't expect this to be each team going over 20 points. So that's going to lead pretty much perfectly into score predictions here. Jack just said that it's going to be a, a bit of a defensive you know, showdown here, two heavyweight defenses going at it, and quarterback play has been a little bit shaky. So score prediction, who you got? I would say I've, I think the Colts are going to step up just because they need they desperately need a win. At this point in the season, they're one, two, and one on the road. You think the Colts get it done? I think they'll get it sixteen ten. Wow. Okay. So very low scoring. Yeah. That, that honestly. Wait till I, you see my score. <laughs> Nick, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think the Broncos are gonna handle it just based off their defense. I no joke. I think the score might be like three zero, <laughs> like six three three zero. Three zero. Yeah. Those defenses are too good, and those quarterbacks just can't get it together. Exactly. Kobe. I gave it a modest fourteen seven. <laughs> fourteen. Yeah. A modest fourteen seven. Right, right in the middle, kind of. So. Yeah, yeah I price is right, you guys. <laughs> All right. I mean, it, it, that's that's honestly fair. Yeah. I, you know, I don't mind a, a nice defensive football game though. It's it's kind of fun once in a while to see, uh, you know, defenses stepping up. If I guess that is if like they're making plays, like if they're if there's a pitch sit yeah. or something, or if there's a, a strip sack, if it's just kind of like. You know, three yard run, yeah. two yard screen, three yard run punt. Then, like, yeah. if, if Matt Ryan's like two for like eighteen going into the second <laughs> half, I might just turn the game off. Uh, yeah, like, I don't think exactly. it's gonna be like this great defensive matchup. I just think it's just gonna be two terrible offenses. Yeah, like I have, That's a, I, I have a stat here. Like, the Colts have been outscored by forty two points in the first half, yeah. <laughs> and the Broncos they've punted at the highest rate. In the league, yeah, it's gonna so, be a pretty boring game. Yeah, <sighs> well, and I find it odd that the Colts are struggling because they had Matt Ryan, they had Jonathan Taylor, and they've only won one game against Kansas City, who who, who they shouldn't have beat. I mean, and they tied to the Texans, they lost to the Jags and the Titans. Yeah, like it's such a weird, like it's such a weird like turn of events for the Colts. They lose to three questionable teams and beat one of the best teams in football. Like. It's really it's really weird yeah, for this Colts team. The Colts are just a weird team in general. Just statistically, like Frank Reich, he starts terrible in like to start off the year, but he always picks it up at the end. Like for the past five years, I think he's always I think he's had the worst week five start for any head coach over the past five years. But he's always consistently put it back together. But this year it feels kind of different with yeah. that. Yeah, really because they can't they can't produce just offensively. And he was the uh, offensive coordinator for the Eagles in that Super Bowl run when they had one of the better offenses. I mean, he produced Carson Wentz in, in, with yeah, the Eagles, was, and, and they can't do anything with the offense, which I just find <laughs> really ironic. So, But that's my rant about the Colts. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, with with the low scoring, um, you know, <laughs> they brought up it being 3 nothing. I There was a 3 nothing <laughs> game. I'm trying to find it. Okay, here we go. Dolphins-Steelers, Monday Night Football, November 26, 2007. Pittsburgh wins three nothing. They score their only three points in the fourth quarter. Uh, let's say to win at this bot store. Oh, okay, no bot store available. Never mind. Um, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was to win the game. Like Steelers they to win the game. Wow. Did zero. they take it to I'm win the game? Sure That's kind of nice. that yeah. is. So that so that is legitimately fifty nine minutes plus of just scoreless football. Yeah. I mean that That's is really boring. that is brutal. I hope 
I hope we don't get that tomorrow night. I really don't. Um, mm-hmm. Because, again, I do like seeing, you know, defenses make plays, but 3 nothing. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> That I is. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I actually, I might change my score to 2-0. It, it, safety. Okay. Safety. I'd okay with that that's one. Enter- that is entertaining. What if one of them gets a one-point safety, 2-1? to one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we'll see how it shapes out tomorrow night. Two teams that uh, need to find their footing going at it on Thursday night football. Tomorrow night, Colts and Broncos. All right. We are going to move on to the NBA basketball, baby. We're going to the hardwood. Again, two weeks out from opening night, uh, I'm getting pretty pumped up. I, I don't know about you guys, but I would probably say basketball is my is my favorite sport to watch. Dad, what about you? To watch, I would say football, but um, the out of like boringness, I would say like uh, basketball is definitely top two. So, <laughs> Nick? I, I'd say football. See, my thing with basketball is like I just don't pay attention enough I, I have more of a thing to, with to the NBA or, or college to the NBA. Okay. I love yeah, college basketball. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm a huge fan of college too. Basketball is the type of thing where it's like, all right, when playoffs get closer and it's like things start to really ramp up, I'm like, all right, let's let's get interested. But okay. I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm like, eh. So you're basketball, so yeah. you're a casual. Yeah, I would say the same thing about that me. That sounded so like. So <laughs> well, it's it's taken on such a negative <laughs> connotation. <laughs> casual. casual. There's nothing wrong with being a casual fan. I mean, you love college, so obviously yeah. you see where those guys go yeah. like the college players you love you watch them in the nba so yeah um, i'd say i'm a casual yeah. i just think the nfl is more like entertaining because every game counts right i mean yeah. in the nba you can lose a game against a bad team if you're if you have a really good record so. right kobe what about you yeah i'm with jack on that one every yeah. game matters and it's like the dog days in january where nothing really matters uh-huh. those those games get kind of boring <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly I, I guess that's true um but, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess that's that's kind of fair. Every game does matter a lot more. And, you know, the NFL is organized in a way where it's like, you know, every Sunday, 1 o'clock, you're getting Scott Hansen on, on red zone, and you're just going to be able to sit there and chill out. you got a bunch of games on. The NBA, a little, little weird with the scheduling. Well, so. what about – It's every night. Especially for scheduling. I mean, for me personally, Aaron, I don't know about you, but – Football is on Christmas this year, along with the NBA. Like, yes. And Christmas well, Eve. I went, Which I, one are you watching? Well, last year I went to the Nets game on Christmas when they played the Hawks. Wow. wow. Uh, so, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> no, 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 it's not true. They were, they were, dude, it was I sat – I didn't even – they weren't even seats. I sat at the like the bar type of place they have at Madison Square Garden, oh, like oh, upstairs. Wow. Dude, they were not that expensive. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> I, I don't got I don't it like that. Believe me. Believe me. Um, but, I mean – if there was nothing under the tree, that I, I I do like. Watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, what does this turn into? <laughs> what does this turn into? I mean, oh my god. All right, whatever. I shouldn't even. I shouldn't have told you guys that. I would probably watch the NBA on Christmas yeah. over the NFL. I mean, I'd, I'd probably have both on to be fair. Like, yeah. I'd have one of on my laptops. I usually watch the NBA on Christmas, but since the NFL is on Christmas, well, okay, I mean, my, I'm team, watch the my NFL. team usually plays on Christmas as the Knicks. Because the, the, the Knicks, Knicks yeah. usually do play on Christmas. Now there was a couple of years where they didn't play them on Christmas, which was fair because they were absolutely horrible. But <laughs> usually the Knicks play every year on Christmas at noon, so that's usually what I'm watching. Um, and so yeah, uh, but. Getting into the NBA, finally, uh, <laughs> after that, whatever that was. Nets <laughs> and Sixers played on Monday night, and uh, Tyrese Maxey, 20 points. Um, there was no Joel Embiid in this game for the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't believe James Harden played either. No. Um, so it was Maxey really the main guy out there offensively. 
uh, put up an efficient 20 points. And there were some young guys who stepped up, some guys that me and Jack are, are pretty familiar with, and, and you guys as well from uh, the Delaware Blue Coats, like uh, Charles Bassey came off the bench and uh, put up four points, grabbed nine boards. Uh, Paul Reed got the start at center, had 10 points and five boards in 20 minutes. So young guys for the Sixers uh, stepping up, Obviously, it's just preseason, but you, you liked what a lot of those guys brought in the G League. Obviously, Paul Reed being a former G League MVP, Jack, and then Bassey last year was phenomenal down there. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, when you went to Philadelphia, their goal really is to come out of the East this year. It's to win the conference. You've got Harden and Embiid the tandem there with an ascending Matthew who's already a great scorer. Obviously, the, you know, complimenting pieces, uh, Tobias Harris, that bench uh, with these young guys they are going to step up, obviously. So, again, when you, when you look at the Sixers, how imperative is it for them to kind of get a guy that maybe comes out of that, that group and, and ascends to, like, a, you know, a good role player for them, another guy that can get you a bucket in the playoffs or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I really like that the Bluecoats kind of are um, doing really well and they're able to have players to that can make it, make it to that yeah. NBA level. It really is like a feeder system. It's it, really, it's really, really good. Yeah. And especially with guys like Paul Reed and Bassey, I mean, those guys were phenomenal in the G League. And they're, now they're playing behind Embiid and getting more, like, they get more uh, experience from Embiid, get his thoughts and everything, and Embiid can make these guys better. And same with Harden. I mean, having uh, Charlie Brown Jr., I mean, play behind Harden, I mean, that's that's great to have and everything. And maybe even play alongside him. But, but still, I mean, these young guys are pretty much the core of this team and can really help the Sixers continue to be good throughout the next five or so years. I mean, uh-huh. the Bluecoats, they made it to the championship. They uh, lost, yep. They lost, but still, they made it to last, the championship. The last two years they've been exactly. to the so title. So. They, they, the Bluecoats and the young players know how to win games, uh-huh. and, I mean, that can definitely carry on with the Sixers if they can if they are uh, able to keep them. So. And I think that's great because the Sixers did go out and bring in some veterans uh, here at Kobe, you went to D'Anthony Melton coming over uh, from Memphis. Uh, really kind of a, a, a shifty, like almost like, I think, under-the-radar type of guard. He's really yeah. good. D'Anthony Melton has put together a nice couple of uh, seasons there for the Grizzlies. Then they go out and did Montrose Harrell last week, who is going to be a great backup option um, behind the beat, obviously, at, at the five. So when you pair those veterans who have been in winning spots before, have won games, with the young guys who have done the same thing or, and you know now obviously are going to get their chance to come up and prove themselves, the bench behind that great starting five for the Sixers is really starting to come together. So do you see this as a roster that can compete for the Eastern Conference crowd? I think this is one of the most complete rosters they've had like, uh-huh. since the 2019 run because that was just stacked. Mm-hmm. But uh, you mentioned all those bench players, but including P.J. Tucker. Right. I mean, if you put P.J. Tucker and Thibel on the at the court at the same time, who's scoring? Yeah, Man, those guys are locked down. Yeah, they're brick walls. Yep. And then you know, Maxi, I think he's going to be an All Star this year. You know, if if he reaches borderline All Star, but if he reaches that All Star level, I I don't see I don't see mm-hmm. anyone stopping him in the East. Yeah, so you could have three All Stars plus that bench yeah, with. And, and I mean, Tobias is there too, but. Yeah, you know. I, well, yeah, I mean, Tobias Harris, All Star in the past, and you know, obviously. Was he an All Star in the past? No, he was always he was always like the first guy off the. Okay, bat. okay. But he's like gonna be like a solid fifteen to eighteen scorer. Yeah, because he, he was is. he was up there when he was with the Pistons and Clippers when yeah. they had nobody. So, I mean, when you look at just the scoring output, I mean, you've got obviously Harden at the one and Maxi there in the backcourt with him. Harris, like you said, is gonna give you his fifteen. 
point tonight. And then Embiid was competing for a scoring title last year. Um, or he, he won the scoring title last year, right? Yeah. I think so, yes. yes. He did. Yeah, won the scoring title. So you got the scoring champion. I mean, this could be one of the best offenses in the league, you know, combined with, like Kobe talked about, the guys that you have off the bench defensively. And Bede is a great defender. Um, you know, obviously there are questions with Harden and Maxi defensively, but you've, you've got guys who can step in and, you know, play big minutes, come off the bench and, and be stoppers for the opponent, you know, opposing team's best players if you want. Um, and so I, I think I would have to agree with Kobe. I think this is a very complete Citrus roster. How far can they go, Nick? And, and do you think they finish towards the top of the East? So here's the thing. I've grown up in North Jersey. So I've been Knicks, Nets, and everything. And then I come down here. And I've been hearing for four years now how every time I'm down here, the Sixers are always going to win the championship. And they never do. So in my head, I'm thinking, yes, this is the roster that they've built. You've got Joel Embiid. You've got Harden. But at the same time, you've got the Bucks over there. You've got the Celtics. You also, on the west side, have to get past teams like the Warriors, the Suns. I get it that they've looked very good. But at the same time, you have to see when they get later into the season, you've got these guys like Joel Embiid who seem to get hurt and these other guys who like Harden who just don't want to play on certain nights. It all comes back to bite the Sixers at some point. I, I, I am with you because, again, I'm a North Jersey native. Same thing as you. I come down here. Yeah. I get bombarded <laughs> with, yeah, with Sixers fans way. telling me how they're going to win the title every year and it beats the best player in the NBA and he's yeah. the MVP. And they have found ways to, to exit the playoffs every year. Um, something just seems to go wrong. They seem to run into the wrong team that matches up with them well or someone gets hurt like Embiid last year or a guy hits a crazy shot that bounces three times around the rim and, and drops and in. travels before he makes a, shoots a shot. Wow. Ah, uh, he's Philly fan. Oh, no, I'm, a Knicks fan. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not uh, even I'm, a Philly fan. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm just, you know, I, like uh, I, I just like sneak facts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, that, I'm it's a different this. discussion for a different. <laughs> but you, you get my point. Yeah, they they always seem to run into some sort of trouble. So, I guess that really is kind of the question, Kobe. Is like they have the talent, but you know when again you you look at the coaching and the way that the, the Sixers have just again found ways to to lose and you know even and being in the postseason. When he was healthy last year, I get it. He was playing in a lot of pain. Um, you know, he hasn't exactly been a dominant playoff performer. He had, he had that huge shot in Toronto last year, obviously, but there are some question marks. And Harden as well has, has always kind of been a little shaky in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, see, I've said this for years now. I think Doc Rivers is the Mike McCarthy of the NBA. That is that's get, a very good. That's comparison. a very good. Comparison. He's wow. got one title. And one he, title, and everyone thinks he's a great coach. I, I think if they don't make it, because they have the talent on paper, they just need to execute. And if they don't execute, it's gonna be on the head coach. So I, everything's there. Just if, can Doc Rivers put it all together like he did in 2008? That's the big question for me. Yeah, I, I, it's I been mean, 13 years since he won a final. I think it was 2008. Either 2008. It was, it was oh, with the Celtics. Yeah. Oh wait, yeah. I, oh I, I think gosh. you're right. Yeah. Good, good for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's actually a very good comparison. It's a smart comparison because they have the, the, the one rail ages ago at this point, over a decade ago for both of and them. And still getting praised as this all-time coach. Now, Doc Rivers is, is not a horrible coach, but he's proven that in the postseason. His rotations are a little bit wanty. Yeah, I think He doesn't make adjustments. I mean, I think it's he just kind of – 
gets carried by the lineups, to be honest. I mean, he's had really good lineups with Boston, the 08 Celtics, 07 Celtics. Yep. I mean, those teams both really good. Uh, he had the Clippers, um, but they couldn't get past the Houston Rockets in that uh, in the first round or second round, whatever a, it was. That's a good comparison, too, I think, comparing the Clippers to, to the Sixers, right? In, in a way, right? They just yeah. always... They're always yeah. there in the middle of the conference. Yeah, like Lob City Clippers. Yeah, like that's pretty much what they were. they just can't make it to the conference final. Exactly, and then Doc Rivers kind of carried that over to the uh, the Sixers, pretty much. So, um, but he, Doc Rivers always has a good lineup. I don't. I mean, that's that's a debate for another day. But I mean, I mean, he always has a really good lineup when he's coaching. I don't know if that makes him a good coach or not. But <laughs> well, uh, you know, you look at who the Sixers took on, uh, and that is Steve Nash's Brooklyn Nets. Now, a lot of people are uh, not too in on Steve Nash as a head coach either. Kevin Durant wasn't at one point this offseason. He said, it's either me or, or Nash and the GM. And, you know, obviously they, they were able to work everything out. KD is there. Uh, 15 points for him last – or 13 points, I should say, for him last night. Or Monday night. Sorry. Sorry, I'm all over the place. But <laughs> uh, I, I guess the big storyline here – is Ben Simmons was back on the uh, hardwood, <laughs> took on his former team for the first time, six points, four rebounds, five assists, and a steal in 19 minutes of action. Um, you know, obviously, Nick, when you look at the Brooklyn roster, you've got the two stars there with question marks on both of them, Kyrie and Kevin Durant. But then you add Ben Simmons, who last time we saw him, was one of the best defenders in the NBA, but also an offensive player that looked scared to shoot a layup. So, is is he? You know, is his addition going to elevate Brooklyn to finally putting it all together here in the Kevin Durant and Kyrie era? And you know, maybe whether that entails making the finals or winning it all or being the best team in basketball, whatever you think that means, are they finally going to be able to do it? Although, again, the coaching concerns with with Lash. I think that the coaching concerns with Nash is a little bit of a touchy subject just because of all the egos that were surrounding Brooklyn. You have James Harden, who wants to be the me, me, me guy, along with Kevin Durant, me, 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 Kyrie Irving, and his issues off the court. But now you get Ben Simmons, who we don't really know what the deal was with him, so he has to balance all of this on one team, on a team that has so much talent in Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons. I keep saying it, all he has to do is just play defense. All he has to do is just be this defensive guy that he's been for the past couple of years and just get the ball to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It's just going to come down to the injury bug that's really plagued them these past couple of years. Right, and and so, you know, Kobe, if, if everyone is able to stay healthy, do you think that Ben Simmons can bring more to this team to make them kind of that top dog in the East? I think he's a good player overall, Like you know, it plays to his strengths. They have shooters. He doesn't have. He says he's. He said on the JJ Reddick podcast he has to shoot him this year, but he, you know that happens all the time. Uh-huh. But I I liked you know how they played. You know I, I saw some highlights. They meshed well together. Obviously as a Knicks fan I hope you know for nothing but tragedy for him. But <laughs> that's fair. That's but, why. <laughs> no, not not injuries. Oh, that's what I thought. No, no, I'm a good person. I, I, I don't think Kobe would, would be that dark. <laughs> I was like, wow, this took a turn. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I no, hope I hope they I win. I hope they win low games. Yeah. I hope they don't. Uh, I hope yeah. they don't win eighty two. But realistically, I think they're going to be. <laughs> a, I think they're being a pretty good team. Uh huh. Like semis. Semis. Okay. Okay. That's fair. So that you think that's their that's their floor, or you think? That's their ceiling. I think that's their ceiling. Really? Because yeah. I, I still don't think they're that deep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's a, a pretty 
you know, kind of exact prediction, I guess. But I could see it. I could, the East is deep, man. It really is. I, I guess just the thing is um, who they play, really. Because, exactly, yeah. you know, you get into the list of teams like a Boston and Milwaukee, obviously a Philly, like we just talked about. And then those teams that are kind of ascending. You have the Hawks add DeJounte Murray this year. East is going to be tough to get out of, Jack. Um, so Kobe thinks that Brooklyn is in that mix of teams, but they're not kind of you know at at, at the top of of the pedestal there. With, with Simmons here and Kyrie and KD both being shaky, obviously with with playing time and just you know obviously they're great when they're on the floor, but haven't been on the floor all that much. Um, do you think they can figure it out? Is really the question. I, I know it's kind of a broad question I've asked you guys, but yeah. I feel like there's so many individual things that would have to fall, like in their favor. Like they, they like things just gotta come together for them this year, right? It's just kind of do or die. I kind of just see them as a team that's going to do the exact same thing as last year. I think they're just going to be discombobulated uh, with injuries and with other outside uh, things, uh, situations that happen. But um, I think they're going to be a low-ranked team that has a chance to make it to the semis, as Kobe said, maybe. I mean, that's their ceiling. But um, but I honestly I honestly see them making it in, into the play-in. I don't think that they're going to um, – I don't think they're going to go that far just because of what you said. I mean, the, East, con- the Eastern Conference is just really deep, and I don't see yes. the Nets uh, competing up against those kind of teams, especially with the kind of lineups that you see with, mm-hmm. I mean, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Cavaliers, the Hawks. Cavs, yeah. Like, yep. there's a yeah, lot definitely. of good East teams this year, and you don't really see that that often, so because um, usually it's a stacked West. But uh, right. this year it's a really stacked East, and I don't think the Nets can uh, compete with all these good East teams. All right, so we will see how uh, both of these teams do in the Eastern Conference. And yet we are just two weeks away. Uh, Wednesday, October 19th is NBA opening night so um we're dead close we're dead close so uh, basketball is around the corner here as we uh, move deeper into the month of october so we're going to take a quick step off here on offsides we'll have our top five when we come back and before we go to break we've got to check the wgls community calendar the samaritan center is a program that helps glassboro residents with economic difficulties by providing free food once per month you can give back to your community by donating food clothes or by volunteering your time email glassboro food bank at gmail.com or visit online at glassboro for more information this community calendar is brought to you by rowan radio 89.7 wgls fm your source for community news and information offsides returns with our top five after this a fistful of quarters and head on over to the 80s arcade saturday mornings from 10 till noon on rowan radio come celebrate the decade of decadence with me lee kershner enjoy awesomely rad artists and totally tubular hits it's a blast from the neon colored past it's the 80s arcade every saturday morning starting at 10 right here on rowan radio 89.7 wgls fm and also online at rowanradio.com how was your drive to school let me tell you 
I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then someone started calling me and... Let's try that again. I turned my phone off right away. I never drive distracted. Visit stoptextstoprex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. This is Offsides, uh, RomanRadio.com channel to Roman Radio 89.7 WGLS. FM. I'm Aaron Hook, alongside Jack Miller, Nick Carlson, and Kobe O'Brien here on this Wednesday edition of Offsides. You can catch Offsides every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. I'll be here every Wednesday uh, as your host. So, uh, again, tune in every week, if you can, of course. Uh, Before we get into our top five here to end off the show, I just quickly got to tell you that uh, you must wake up with Rowan Radio for the Early Bird Special. Every weekday, starting at 7 a.m., our host will help you get through your morning with entertaining stories and special giveaways, plus news, weather, traffic, and, of course, the music that matters. Start your day off right with the Early Bird Special every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. only on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, also online at rowanradio.com. So, we are going to move into our top five here and... Uh, we are going to keep it football related because, you know, I figured we usually start off the show talking about football, but baseball was kind of king today with, with the judge stuff last night and the regular season wrapping up today. So uh, we only really talked about Thursday night football and, and not much else. So, you know, we'll go back to the NFL as, again, uh, the season uh, is, is moving along pretty quickly. We're already a quarter of the way through. Week five kicks off tomorrow night. So... Uh, In that spirit, talking about Thursday night football for NFL segment, we're going to look at the top five games uh, on Sunday. Um, If you want to include the Monday night game, which is Raiders and Chiefs, that's fine. You can throw it in your list as well. Basically, um, this football Sunday and then Monday night football, out of that pool of games, what are your top five, the ones that you were watching for this weekend? First, I will go to Mr. Kobe O'Brien. What's your top five? At five, I have Panthers versus the 49ers because uh, as a Panthers fan, I think if Matt Rule loses three of the next four, he's out of a job. I I saw so something. Much bias there. I, putting them at five. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not going to put him higher because it's the Panthers. But. Yeah. I think if he loses this game or the next one that he's gone. Well, the, the next two games are – 49ers and Rams, so that's why I'm stretching it out because the Rams are. I think they don't. I don't. I don't think they'll care. I think they'll just be like, "You can't win." Probably leave. I'm kind of hoping, but yeah. But uh, at four, (laughs) I have uh, I have Cowboys Rams. Uh, The Cowboys Cooper Rush. Obviously, they're doing pretty good with him right now, and I want to see how the Rams bounce back after getting just demolished by the Niners. Yep. Uh, At three, I have Giants Packers because. The Giants are an oddly fun team to watch because they can't pass the ball, but them rushing the ball somehow wins them games. And the Packers, they're just a fun team to watch with Aaron Rodgers just trying to figure stuff out with yeah. you know, 
people he doesn't even know their first names. <laughs> Will you wake up at nine in the morning though to watch it? Yeah, and it's a it's in London. Yeah, uh, that's a DVR game. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> at two. I have Bengals Ravens. You know, got some AFC North matchup. Uh, Bengals they're getting better, and the you know Lamar has been really fun to watch this year. So I think that was up uh, for me. And then number one, I have Eagles versus the Cardinals. I wanted. I think if this game, if the Eagles win this and go five and zero. I think it's going to make them a real deal. Eagles, only undefeated team left right now at 4-0, going and out Cardinals, west. They're not, like, the best team, but they're a solid team. So I think if, yep. you know, they do well against this competition and win, I think that it makes them a solid team, like, makes them a real right. deal. Cool uh, quarterback matchup as well. Kyler and Jalen Hurts, uh, two yeah. of the best scramblers, obviously, in the league. Uh, and both have been pretty efficient through the air this year uh, as well. All right, Nick. Top five for this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. This is going to be one of my craziest top fives that okay, we've seen. Uh, we are, okay, okay. We are ready. So, We're ready. <laughs> at number five, I got Eagles-Cardinals. And it's mostly just because I long for the days that the Eagles just lose games. Just because I, I, <laughs> I don't like how these Philly fans are all like, oh, the Eagles are so good. Wow. So they are. They, I, you can't deny it. I can't wait for them to lose to the Cardinals this week. So, at number four, uh, I have Cowboys versus Rams. I think that Cooper Rush at 4-0, and uh, he's played great so far. I think he could go in there and beat the Rams. I think that the Rams have kind of struggled so far this year. I agree. Uh, number three is going to shock a lot of people. Uh, I have the Steelers-Bills. And <laughs> Really? <laughs> listen, the reason because of that is because I'm excited to see Kenny Pickett, and I feel like when you look at the odds and everything – Everybody's like the Steelers are going to get destroyed. So much, which is I, true. I feel like it's going to be closer than people think. I would about. love for the Steelers e- to exactly. win that game. I yeah. would love it. Yeah. yeah. So oh, I think a lot of people would like it one. for some yeah. reason. So that that's number three. Uh, two is Bengals Ravens, just because mm-hmm. that's a division matchup. Burrow versus Lamar on Sunday night. I think that's going to be the first really good Sunday night football game. Uh, and then number one, it's an obvious one. They played last year. The score was forty-two, forty-seven. Uh, Browns Chargers that'll be game of the year uh, this year uh, and yeah game of the year okay. uh, game of the year for okay. Jacoby Brissett yeah and the two and, and two Cleveland Browns yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah come on Nick that one will be game I'll, I'll bet you when we come back that'll be like the most high. that'll be like Lions we, Seahawks level okay I'm going to take a clip of this save it in my folder I'll make sure and I'm we will be next playing week. this next next Wednesday on offsides we will see <laughs> I want to be here that'll be a three zero so. <laughs> All right, well, there it is. Nick Carlson with the bold prediction. Game of the year coming up, 1 o'clock Sunday, Chargers-Browns. All right, here we go. Jack, uh, is your top five any crazier than that? I hope it's not. Uh, really it's, a, not. it's a little bit crazy. I honestly, that was when I was looking at the games, when I was looking at the games, I didn't see Cowboys-Rams. So I will put that in my top five okay. because I didn't see it. You skipped it. Um, I will replace Seattle and New Orleans. I will put that in my honorable mention. That's I think – It'll prove. I think this game we'll see. We'll see if Geno Smith is a real deal. I think the Saints have a pretty solid defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and to dip it. Right, so I, I, they'll be in the honorable mention. Um, number five. Um, I'll put. Uh, I have Chicago and Minnesota. It's a division matchup. They're in Minnesota, and uh, defense for Chicago. I want. I think they can. They have a chance. I think that the Chicago. Um, even though their run game was a little sloppy against the Giants, I think that. Um, They'll have a little bit of a comeback game against Minnesota, but I still think Minnesota will squeak it out at home. Um, so, yeah, I'll, uh, Cowboys-Rams, I'll say that as number four. I mean, Cooper Rush is scary. I don't know how, but he is. And, I mean, 
honestly, I would kind of like to see a little battle like at the end of the season between who's who they want to start as quarterback, Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott, um, if Cooper Rush keeps doing well. Number three, I got uh, Cincinnati versus Baltimore. Um, another divisional matchup. I mean, I don't get why Baltimore doesn't want to make plays when they have a lead, but, I mean, that's a different story. But I think uh, this will be a very good divisional matchup, and uh, Burrow's definitely getting back on track after his first uh, uh, 0-2 start, or first 0-2 start this year. And, uh, and I think that Burrow can have a good chance against a good Baltimore defense. And then number two, I got uh, Philadelphia at Arizona. Um, it's just going to be – I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. I think it's going to be um, a game kind of like where it was the Eagles and Lions where it's like in like 30s for both teams mm-hmm. um, if the uh, Cardinals' offense can step up against a good Eagles defense. And then, honestly, I have L.A. versus Cleveland at my number one. Um, I they think called me crazy. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> a Chargers fan. <laughs> oh, you're a Chargers fan. <laughs> you got a Chargers fan but, and a Browns <laughs> fan saying it's going to be the best game of the league. I'm not saying – Makes uh, sense. But Shuts out. But I, I got – uh yeah, I got uh, that being a really good game. I mean, last year they both played amazingly mm-hmm. offensively, both of them. And on but both quarterbacks, Justin uh Justin Herbert and Jacoby Brissett uh are both doing really well for their teams. And I uh I want to see how both these guys pair up against each other, especially in Cleveland last year as in LA. But, it, uh, but yeah, it's a good I think it's generally a good game. It will be a good game. It will be a, a good game. I will say that. Um definitely Going to uh, have it probably on, on the drill laptop as, as I watch the Jets uh, at 1 o'clock. They tick off them as well. So I'll do my top five really quick. Um, so at five, I've got Fountains and Bucks in Tampa. Fountains, kind of an interesting team to me. They run play action like a ton, and Marcus Mariota has actually been pretty decent. Um, besides last week. <laughs> inside, inside that offense? Okay, yeah. Besides, now I had him in fantasy, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, he, he has looked pretty decent. They, they've made him look a little bit better than he is. So it's a Falcons offense that right now is is at the top of the lead. Mariota is, is you know done well for himself. And obviously Brady and the Bucks uh, starting off 2-2. Two and two. It'll be interesting to see if they can take care of business at home. Uh, at 4 uh, I think it'll go Cowboys-Rams. Uh, interesting matchup there. You guys talked about the Trooper Rush thing and uh, the Rams still trying to find their footing a little bit um, after you know just getting destroyed by uh, the 49ers on Monday night. Uh, at 3, I'll go Bengals-Ravens Sunday night. Uh, NFC North on Sunday night is always classic, I feel like. Um, and I, I love Burrow and the Bengals, and obviously Lamar is at the top of the MVP. Or not at the top, but... He, he his name is in the conversation right now for the MVP, so uh, I'll go that at three. At two, I will take the Monday night game of Raiders and Chiefs. Even though the Raiders, you know, don't look all that great this year, these two teams always it's always a crazy game. It's always something that goes on, whether it's overtime or it's just high scoring as you know as can be. It's it's like thirty five, thirty one or something. Always comes down to the final drive, I feel like. So I'll go that. Uh, and then obviously, or honestly, I should say, at number one, it's got to be Eagles-Cardinals, I think, because yeah. I want to see if Jalen Hurts can, can go out there and keep the Eagles undefeated. A lot of pressure this week as the last undefeated team in the league. And the Cardinals are, are a hungry team. They, they've got Cliff Kinsbury there who, I, I mean, a lot of people, the consensus on him is that he's not – all to that great of an X's and O's guy, and I think it's a prove-it week for him, too, uh, that if they can knock off the top team in the lead right now record-wise at home, 
That would be a bit statement. So that's my number one. And so that'll do it for our top five, and that'll do it for this Wednesday edition of Offsides. Thank you again to my uh, three co-hosts here, Jack Miller, Nick Carlson, Kobe O'Brien. Thank you guys for coming out here on this Wednesday evening. I've been Aaron Hook, and then you can catch me every Wednesday 5 to 6 here hosting Offsides Monday, Wednesday, and Friday 5 to 6 Offsides every week. Uh, Larry Dealman on Mondays and Danny Ryan on Fridays. I know it'll be Larry on Friday this week because of uh, Rowan football. So, all right, we will see you on Friday, and I'll see you all next week. Have a great rest of your day. This has been Offsides. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. <laughs>